0: Welcome to the Lifestyle is Medicine podcast. This is part two of a Lifestyle Med live event answering common objections to plant-based eating with Dr. Nita Hillman, an internal medicine doctor, and Beverly Haynes, a registered dietitian from British Columbia. In this episode, we're tackling questions about whether we can get enough protein, vitamin B12, and calcium on a plant-based diet. Let's listen in. Beverly, related to that, um, and this, I think is the big one or one of the big ones uh, is about protein, you know, yeah. um, and this is for, I think a lot of the guys out there, you know, we're worried about protein. So we, if you cut out meat, chicken, fish, etc., you know, where are we going to get the protein, you know? So protein. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah.
1: You know, that's the question I think um, dietitians get asked the most. If I'm going to do this plant-based thing, where am I going to get my protein? Well, for one thing, if you're eating enough calories, you're going to be getting enough protein. Protein is the one thing that we don't ever really have to worry about unless we're starving, and most of us are not. In fact, most of us are eating more calories than we need, which means we're getting more protein than we need at the same time. So how much protein do we need? Well, we really don't need a lot. If you take your body weight in kilograms, and multiply it by a factor of about Hmm. 0.9. That's gonna give you your recommended protein intake. Um, So let's say your healthy weight is supposed to be 140 pounds. To get to kilograms, we divide that by 2.2. So that gives us 64 um, kilos. Then we multiply it by that 0.9 factor, which gives us 58 grams of protein daily. And it is so easy to get that 58 grams of protein. Let me give you an example or a few examples here. For example, for breakfast, if you were to have half a cup of tofu, let's say you have some really delicious scrambled tofu. Anyone had scrambled tofu before? Mm-hmm. It's good. You're gonna get about 20 grams of protein right there. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're just aiming for 58. Already you've got 20. And you're probably not just gonna have half a cup of tofu. You're probably gonna have maybe um, a slice of bread, maybe with some peanut butter on it. Okay, there's another eight grams of protein right there. Let's say a little bit later, you have a a handful of almonds. There's another eight grams of protein. Let's say for lunch, you had a spinach uh, spinach salad, so spinach with some quinoa maybe. There's another seven grams. For supper, you had a potato and some chickpeas. There's another 18 to 20 grams. Already, that stuff that I just mentioned, you're over 60 grams of protein. So easy, and the quantities aren't a lot. One cup of chickpeas is not a lot of chickpeas. Half a cup of tofu is not a lot. Most of us eat a cup of tofu, scrambled tofu. So you see how it's so easy to go overboard with our protein intake. We don't ever have to worry about that. But if we still do worry about it, well, let's take a look at some of those animals a cow, for example, we eat the cow, we get that protein secondhand, when what would be the better thing would be to get it firsthand from the same type of foods that the cow gets their protein from. So tell me, what does a cow eat all day long? It's grazing on grass Mm. or other greens in the field. And yet, even though it's just eating that, it's still growing to be this big, big cow. Look at other large land animals, um, giraffes, rhinoceroses, I think is one of them, you know, uh, elephants. They are vegetarian, they eat plants and they get to be so massive, Um, you know, ox, a big ox, massive, strong, strong as an ox. What does an ox eat? Plants, you know? So if those animals can get as big as they do, just eating greens, surely we can get all the protein we need with the plethora, the variety of different foods that we are able to eat on a daily basis. So we don't ever have to worry about our protein intake. In fact, um, um, Health Canada tells us that we should be eating more plant proteins more regularly even the government is recognizing this, the Canada Food Guides, the the very latest incarnation of the Canada Food Guide is just so amazing in that most of it is plant-based. So again, they're coming on board just realizing, you know what? This plant thing is really what it's about. Athletes, look at all the athletes today who are going plant-based and they're upping their game they're doing the best they've ever done in fact what's that latest um, documentary the game changers is that it wasn't yes. that stellar uh, if you haven't seen it you've got to see it that will just change your viewpoint right there if the athletes are going plant-based and they're the ones who are always talking about protein if right. they're going plant-based the rest of us can go plant-based pretty easily
0: it's a great documentary Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Hillman, just from your clinical practice, like how, how, like how big of an issue is protein deficiency, at least in North America, Canada, like Canada, USA?
2: Sure. In, exactly. So, and that's that's a very good. Um, it is a very good distinction. In and and Beverly touched on it. So you mentioned North America, Canada, um, Western countries, but also um, Beverly mentioned this very clearly. If you are getting enough calories, it is very 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 difficult to, to not get enough protein in your diet. In fact, so in clinical practice, one of the things that we find, you just don't see protein deficiency. The cases that we do see protein deficiency or lack of protein in Western countries is actually because of protein loss from chronic diseases that cause protein loss. Mm. And those chronic diseases, it's usually actually from excess protein intake that predispose those chronic diseases that, co- that create the pro- chronic loss. So let me give a great example. Um, the, um, so one of the, the most common diseases or the two most common causes of uh, kidney disease um, in both in the US and I, I apologize, I do not know Canadian statistics, I'm assuming it's the same in the world for the most part in Western countries it is, but um, are di- uh, diabetes and hypertension. And both of those are the, you know, will eventually predispose to protein loss, into, and you'll see it in the urine. In fact, it has to be measured regularly in the urine to be able to determine how bad the, um, the kidneys are functioning, you know, depending on the progression of the disease. What we find, and I have seen this, it's not only in the data, but then it is also in my clinical practice with my patients. When I switch the patients off of animal protein and onto plant protein, you see reverse of the kidney disease. You do not see that. You do not see that when patients increase their animal protein intake. And in fact, so what happens is, um, I worked also as a hospitalist. So I've done both outpatient medicine and as a hospitalist. And I would get patient, you know, I would get this review of a chart that would come into my, under my desk. And it would say, Dr. Hillman, this patient's albumin is low. And these are patients that have chronic disease usually um, Usually diabetes and hypertension. They have some degree of kidney disease. There's protein spilling out into their urine, or they're they're just they have other things that are you know that are that are going on. But but it would say on their Doctor Hillman, does this patient have protein malnutrition? And what they want to do is then prompt a nutrition consult to then have somebody give them a whole bunch of animal protein. And what would happen with these patients is their disease, their 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 um, protein deficiency would actually worsen because their chronic disease that related to it actually would worsen. And so with my patients, um, when again, very consistent, you will see a, a correlation, you increase the plant protein, decrease the animal protein, or I think actually the data is, is very nicely, much older data, but you switch the, the two, you take patient populations and you put them on animal protein um, or give them a high amount of animal protein. And you take the other, population and you put them on um, plant protein, and then you will, and these are patients that have kidney disease that they're, they're So they're losing protein. And there's a question of protein malnutrition. If you um, take those two sets of patients and you switch them. So now those that were taking the plant protein, take the animal protein, and those that were taking the animal protein, take the, the plant protein, those always on the plant protein have a, not just a cessation, but decrease in the amount of protein that is spilling out in the urine, meaning that loss of protein actually goes down when they switch to plant protein. So, Mm. so again, even in the, the things that cause quote unquote, protein deficiency in the U S it's not from dietary intake and actually the use of plant protein and minimizing or eliminating entirely animal protein would actually, um, prevent those losses that cause or prompt the um, protein deficiencies that are often brought up.
0: Great. That's great. Thank you, Dr. Hillman. And uh, I I want to move on from protein, but just one last thing, and maybe Beverly, if you uh, can answer this one, just very briefly, what if somebody says, um, you know, people often say animal protein is better quality. It's like higher quality than plant protein. Um, Just maybe in one minute or so, what would your response be to that?
1: Right. Well, you know what? Um, it's not better, um, quality. It's, it's different quality. Um, there's typically, there is typically more protein, um, in a serving of animal based food than in plant based food. But this is one instance where more is not better. Um, Mm -hmm our bodies are better able to use the individual amino acids that are in plants more so than the complex um, amino acid structures that um, are in the animal-based foods. It's got to deconstruct the animal-based food proteins before it can actually use it. And so that's why it's kinder and gentler for us to be eating plant-based proteins, the body can extract those and build them into whatever they need to build them nice and easily rather than having to deconstruct and then rebuild. Um, so it's not a better protein. And um, in fact, it's, it's a detrimental protein, as the doctor was just saying with respect to disease. And one thing we have to realize is um, there's, you know, going back to the question you'd asked me before about protein, there's protein in practically every single food, right? Every single food, even fruit can have little tiny amounts of protein. So all of these things add up over your day. Um, so it's not a matter, a matter of being better quality when it comes to meat it certainly is not the better quality for us for our bodies the way our bodies are constructed is absolutely hands down plant growth uh plant based proteins
2: then the, can I add one thing to that if you don't mind sure please? yeah
0: briefly yeah please yeah. go just,
2: ahead what, yeah what um what beverly had actually said and um, i think that is very critical is when you're talking about quality, and I'll give just one very brief example. So I have taken patients that I've seen who have gone on a high protein, animal protein diet, and they have significant worsening, all of a sudden out of the blue of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we notice is actually, so the tryptophan, right? Tryptophan that is found in both animals and in plant foods, when um, the way they behave, the brain's ability to uptake the tryptophan, which is an essential amino acid found in, in, um, an amino acid that is found in, Um, both um, plant and animal proteins, Um, the ability to uh, the brain to uptake that it competes with other amino acids. The ratio of those competing amino acids is higher actually in in animal's um, protein, animal sources of protein than it is in plant sources. And so the ability to actually uptake that is actually more difficult if you're eating it from, if you're taking tryptophan, for example, from an animal source than from a plant source. Additionally, um, if you have low carbohydrate intake, which comes only from plant foods, the conversion then of that, that tryptophan to the serotonin that is so critical and key in depression and anxiety is worse, is, 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 is decreased in people that have high animal protein diets and low carbohydrate. Um, that is commonly, that is better actually in, in um, plant proteins. And, and the reason I say this is because depression, anxiety is soaring and continues to escalate um, no matter what country you're talking about. Um, and one of the kind of contributing factors actually has been the high animal protein intake in that too. Yes.
0: Wonderful.
1: And just one other thing there, Daniel, as well, with respect to the higher quality kind of thing, um, the meat, animal-based foods is um, more complete protein. You know, you hear about the complete and, and plant-based ones aren't quite so complete. There are some complete plant-based proteins inc- including chia seeds, um, soy, you know. But um, again, it's not a matter of it being a better for us because it just really is not... We don't have to worry about eating complete proteins because our body will keep those proteins, those individual amino acids until others come along that it can construct whatever it wants. So we don't have to worry about eating a complete protein at each meal.
0: Mm. Okay. Thank you so much. So now that we've got the big one out of the way, we can go to, uh, let's go to some of the other ones here. Um, B12. So maybe Dr. Hillman. um, you know uh b12 uh, deficiency with on those in those who get or go on a plant-based diet what are your thoughts very quickly
2: great and i think um patty wrote, uh, Rook actually asked this question also so very good great question um yes. there was a very nice study so we've heard of the framingham study that was done before there's a Framingham offspring study that was actually done that that really directly looked at this and what was very interesting was that across the board no matter what um, nutrition plan you went towards the rates of B12 deficiency were the same. So it's not that oh if I am um, if I am eating a plant based diet I'm going to be at, at higher risk for um, B12 deficiency than if I am eating a diet that consists of animal foods. So. Um so that that just cleared the board right there, but the interesting thing was this is especially and, and beverly has touched on this is is that is the quality of the um food that um many of these animals are raised on they are actually having to supplement the food the b twelve to the animals so that the animals can have. B12, um, but the I, so so it's not even as though you know they're, you're getting it naturally through the through the animals anyway nowadays. The additional thing about B12 is that um, so your stomach actually requires intrinsic factor to be able to uptake um, B12 and then to be able to use it in your body. One of the things that they're actually finding now in research is that people who are consuming high amounts of animal protein are actually Keeping the ability of um, the the use the the I guess the interaction of intrinsic factor to uptake B12. So those on plant-based diets actually are more able to uptake that B12. Are more likely to be able to uptake. If you're again, I always put this in a caveat. If you're eating a healthy plant-based lifestyle, right? So then then you are you are actually at um, at not as not as um, higher risk now. It is an issue if you don't take the B12. B12 is found. The source, whether you're an animal or whether you're a human being, your source of B12 comes from the soil, right? And then, and you know, unfortunately, we have to be careful. You know, washing our vegetables, um, water the intake. We have to be very careful. We don't want to just. Pull them right out of the ground and eat them as they are, without washing them. And so some some of that those bacteria that are in the soil that give us the B12 are, are going to are not necessarily going to be there. So we do need to to supplement it in some way. So irrespective of who you are, whether you're eating an animal-based diet or whether you're eating a plant-based diet, what we're finding is we have to um, supplement it in some way. And for um, the what has been found is that people who are completely plant-based tend to be more conscientious about supplementing that and so tend to actually have higher levels the highest levels of b12 um, than others because you think about it more and what are those sources very any of those your plant-based milks almost every plant-based milk oats oat milk soy milk almond milk i mean all of these um in addition to sportified cereals um you know taking it as a small supplement and the amount you need is so tiny you do not need this 1,200, 2,000 microgram amounts of, of B12. I mean just very, very small amounts mm-hmm. that are needed. So um, so yeah B12 whatever you're eating, you're gonna need to fortify or supplement it in some way oftentimes. So Absolutely. I mean I could go into other things. I mean the, the, the liver produce. you know the liver stores it for three years. One thing I always mention to my patients to go plant based your liver does store it for three years and you recycle it um, through your bio. So you, you do need to make sure that, you, you know, one thing, if you're worried about it, make sure that you're following it, even just with a yearly level um, and make sure that you've been off of the B12 supplement for at least a day before you actually get, get your levels checked. If you are, if you are worried or, or if, if your physician is worried, you know, that that's going to happen nine times out of 10, you're not going to find an issue.
0: Beverly, you had a comment? Oh, nope. That's okay. Actually. Oh, okay. Awesome, thank you, uh, Dr. Hillman. Um, and Beverly, another one: calcium. So if Cal- you get rid of dairy, what happens with calcium?
1: With your calcium? Well, you know, again, um, we're just we, we've been kind of brainwashed to think that we you know we've got to have that cow's milk to get our calcium. You've heard that um, that old TV commercial: um, milk does a body good. Or, you know, cow's milk does a body good. Well, you know, it does a body good, but um, a a baby calf, not a human being body, that's the body it does good. You know, I like to say to to my clients, not your mama, not your milk. Don't be drinking cow's milk. It's not yours. It's not for you. And so then people will say, well, where am I going to get my calcium from? again, from your foods. And you know what? Your dark leafy greens, for example, your broccoli, your kale, collard greens, bok choy, um, your Chinese cabbage, put those things on your shopping list. They're going to be so fantastic for you. Calcium set tofu is going to be so delicious in your scrambled tofu. Um, Calcium fortified beverages. Uh, You know, cow's milk is also calcium fortified so it's not that the cow's milk has all of this calcium in there for, it's also fortified so drink some calcium fortified plant milk there's so many different types of plant milks today there's the oat milk and Dr. Nina was touching on those as well there's the soya almond cashew there's just this plethora of all those kinds of milks if you're wanting some milk to have on cereal or something but things like almonds you know almond butter all of these things have, are good sources of calcium in our everyday eating. And so it's just a matter of you know um, finding a good book or finding a good website where you can just source out all of this information for yourself because the, the key to successful plant-based living, plant-based eating, is educating yourself. And that's where some people go wrong and then we hear the horror stories on the news where this person was on a plant-based diet and look what happened well you just have to educate yourself on what your body needs and and go from it um, from that standpoint but there is no lack of calcium there's no lack of iron there's no lack of protein or any of the things that we need when we go plant-based and in fact the forms that we're getting it from in plants is again kinder and gentler on our bodies that's what our bodies were you know structured were created for the plant-based forms of food so we don't have to worry that we're not going to be getting enough just educate yourself buy yourself a good book watch some good videos there's so many of them that so many resources that are available to us today, there's no need for alarm anywhere at all when we're going plant-based.
0: That's it for this episode of the Lifestyles Medicine podcast. To learn more about Lifestyles Medicine and our many community programs and events, please visit www.lifestylemed.org. To learn more about our clinic partner, Pathways Lifestyle Medicine Clinics in Toronto, go to www.pathwaystoholeness.ca. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle Medicine podcast. Don't miss part three in our next episode. Until then, remember, your lifestyle is medicine.